0: hi everyone my name is shannon calder licensed therapist and i'm joined by dr kathy barrett forensic psychologist we talk about all topics from a psychological perspective welcome to tarot talk hi everyone this is tarot talk with shannon and kathy why do you press record right then (laughs) because it's super fun I make you giggle, then I go, "Hey, how's it going?" Terror talk. This guy, this
1: guy we're talking about today, is not particularly
0: funny, though. Nope. Maybe that's why we needed a little giggle before we started today on the show. We're going to talk about Ed Gein, and more specifically, the horror villains that have inspired, were inspired by his crimes and his him as a person and his fetishes mostly. Yeah, I
1: I don't think most people know that he influenced some of the characters he has, especially because the three main ones we will talk about today are very different.
0: They are very different.
1: Um, So they took aspects, I think of him
0: and, and I have a breakdown of what those are, but right. Like inspired by, I guess, you know, that (laughs) always means like we just did whatever we wanted with it, but this is what inspired it. And we had to give it some kind of homage. (laughs) Exactly. Right. so, should we talk about let's talk about Edgeen a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about Ed Gein first and then Okay. <laughs> and then what he was inspired by. Well um, he, he was known as the Butcher of Plainfield. Yes. Or the was. Plainfield Ghoul. Yeah, there's some bad movies by those names.
1: Yeah. About him. The thing about him though is he actually was more of a gravedigger than a murder. He didn't murder many people. Only had a couple victims.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I think I thought it was one of those situations where he, you know, they knew about a few, but then there was they figured there was a whole lot more. But
1: well, he dug up, you know, he dug up graves and fresh graves, and he did get some of his skins that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, when they eventually raided his home, yeah, they found they did find a lot more. They had like purses of made out of skin and. Oh yeah, I have a whole inventory
1: for us about what they found.
0: So Edgaine grew up. With a very controlling mother. I think we could start with that.
1: Yeah. (coughs) Very lonely man. Obsessed with his mother. Mm -hmm. Enmeshed with his mother. Right. (coughs) And he would would actually dig graves and find bodies whose faces looked like his mother. Oh, wow. I mean, that kind of enmeshment.
0: So in the beginning, there was a father, a mother, and a brother. And Mm -hmm. um, the brother died and... Ed was suspiciously. Um, they everybody kind of knew it was him or thought it was him, and but he was not persecuted because the, his father had already died, and there was this thought around it. At least this is what I read that they didn't want to put the family through anymore. So when the brother died of suffocation, yeah, <laughs> they did not. But everyone you know, was very suspicious that it was Ed. And so then he, w- because he wanted to be left alone with his mother. Well, he, he, uh, yeah, he came from a, an incredibly religious home. Shocker. Yeah, we, we see that a lot here on oh. the show.
1: So I guess mom really, uh, both parents, but more so mom, because dad was an alcoholic. He was, I think, pretty outwardly aggressive, but his mom imposed like, the Lutheran beliefs on both the boys and teaching them, giving them the message that, you know, drinking was evil and all women were prostitutes. I think it's hysterical, especially when you hear that from another female, Mm -hmm. like from the mother, all women are prostitutes.
0: Yeah. Including me. Does that mean you mom? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the preaching about the sins of lust and carnal desire, like to not ever have them.
1: So he, I mean, the only time he ever left home was to go to school and come back to do chores. So he didn't have friends. So Um, repression. Totally repressed.
0: (laughs) We get that a lot. And yeah, his mom was his only friend. Right. So it's like after um, his father had died, um, who was an alcoholic, whose name was George. He died in 1940. And then Gein and Henry, his older brother... Um, used to work around the farm, right? Like they had property in mm-hmm. a farm. Um, the, the brothers were burning a brush on the property, which you have to do, obviously, when you have a lot of land sometimes. Uh, when the fire raged out of control, Henry was found dead. And although it was initially believed to be the result of the fire, the circumstances surrounding his death and then, as we look at it in hindsight, like what we know about Ed Gein now, <laughs> if we look mm. the, in later activities and what he was captured for, there's conjecture around how the younger brother yeah. was responsible, because Henry was older. Can we just
1: also make a note of the fact that Ed was a babysitter? He worked as a babysitter, and it was something he clearly he enjoyed doing, wow. one of the reasons because he felt more related to children. He felt that he related more to them, which is um, sometimes a risk factor for sex offenders, but it's also a risk factor for offenders in general, which is um, just a, an association. Like if they feel more...
0: Like childlike?
1: Yeah, childlike, which for sex offenders could can be geared more towards pedophilia, but with, with um, other offenders, it could demonstrate a lot of just like, of that repression we're talking about and... Um, Emotional, immaturity. emotional maturity emotional mm-hmm. maturity impulse control all of that stuff that we would see more or lack of impulse control so he he didn't ever really develop appropriately too so that would make sense he didn't i'm sure his cognition was um you know that there were areas of his cognition that were yeah. compromised yeah so i'm sure
0: yeah um he never left home you know they describe him as obsessively devoted to his mom, as she was, as Kathy was saying. Um, and then his mom died in 1945, so pretty shortly after. So dad dies in 1940, then the brother dies, then mom dies. Um, that's pretty fast turnaround in a young person's life, and then that's when he became increasingly deranged. I guess is probably the word. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think too, one of the things that triggered him to kill his brother was the fact that the brother was dating a woman who was uh, a single mom mm. and he, he started to get onto his brother. Oh, Henry, okay. I think, right. Is the brother. And he was yes. like, you need to not be dating her. She's not good for you. She's a prostitute. And oh, I, and oh. then I think that um, he was, he said, you need to stop listening to every word mom says. Our oh, mother says. No. And oh, I no. think that was a big
0: um, trigger. Yeah, that would not yeah. have gone well. Right. It's like, no, no, we listen to everything mother says. Because without mother, we did not have our own decision making processes. Right. And she had two strokes. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff I was reading is like series of strokes. They kept using that. It's like, really? Wow. Right. So I'm, here's what I imagine is that there's this period of time where he's caring for her. Mm hmm. Where she's basically incapacitated which would have been a little bit of a dream of his maybe Uh uh-huh yeah yeah and then after
1: she dies he keeps her bedroom pristine and clean um and Mm -hmm. that's when he really starts to become obsessed with death cult magazines okay that involved um, cannibalism nazis he starts to really get sicker and sicker Mm -hmm. with his mother gone now Right. And this is the beginning of his, his killing. So we know for sure he killed two people. Oh wow! So he kills Bernice Warden on the morning of November sixteenth, nineteen fifty seven. Um, when Frank Warden, the son of Bernice, and the sheriff came into Bernice's hardware store, and they found bloodstains on the cashier counter. So mm-hmm. um, so we know that she she was one of the victims. And then around nineteen fifty four, he shoots Mary Hogan who um was a tavern owner with a foul mouth. <laughs> so the reason why he never killed her, why no, the reason why he did kill her, excuse me, was that um he started having these delusions that he thought it pleased his mother in some way. So Hogan's attitude and personality were against everything his mother taught him. She really represented the women that he sh- his mother told him to stay away from. So killing her satisfied his mother in some delusional way.
0: Mm. Yeah, like an offering in, a, in some, mm-hmm. some kind of way. Um, hmm. So you can tell just by the description <laughs> so far. So far. What movie is super obvious? Yeah, <laughs> Norman? Norman? Norman Bates uh, from the movie Psycho would be directly inspired mm-hmm. by Ed Gein. And they talk about that pretty openly. After these... Killing these two women, he's
1: finally arrested. He's arrested later, and that's when the police get permission to enter his house and discover what they they describe as a house of horror. (laughs) So this might help. Yes. Us now answer what other characters. Mm -hmm. So here, let's. I'm going to go through the little inventory here. So first, they found the body of Bernice Warden, who was decapitated and hung upside down by her leg. She was killed with a gun before the dismemberment began. So at least he put her out of her misery first. And the torso of Bernice was dressed like a deer. Crazy. So among many bizarre things, they found leggings made out of actual legs, Mm -hmm. masks that were peeled off perfectly off someone's face, a human skull used as a bowl, Mary Hogan's skull and Bernice's head. Authorities found chairs upholstered in human skin, a wastebasket made of skin, Masks made of from faces, a belt made of nipples. Sounds like something you'd wear, Shannon. Okay. And, see, a pair of lips being used as a window shade drawstring, a corset made of a female torso, that's... Oh, and a lampshade <laughs> made from a human face.
0: So, I don't know, Shannon, Who who's coming gosh, up for you? Gosh, what other... <laughs> i'm sort of thinking of buffalo bill from silence of the lambs yeah no so that's the other very big movie obviously very famous movie and very famous character of buffalo bill so that is not anthony hopkins no (laughs) that is the other serial killer that is in silence of the lambs which is buffalo bill and then there's one other guy in there with the faces okay
1: okay so you we have
0: what, You want to go you want to go for that one? I is, know what it is. Yeah, but, Mr. Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of a hybrid in there. Yeah, and so they so each of these three most notably um, influenced by the true crimes of Ed Gein. Those three each took like a piece of it. So Psycho took the psychological piece because it's a psychological horror for sure Mm -hmm. in that in that mother relationship or that love mapping that happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Buffalo Bill took the creating suits out of skin. He created again,
1: created a woman's suit after his mother died, which is kind of a hybrid of Norman and.
0: Yeah, which is exactly what Buffalo Bill is trying to do. Right.
1: So he could literally become his mother and crawl into her skin. If there isn't anything any more psychodynamic than that, I don't... Yeah. I mean,
0: people think I'm, you know, <laughs> metaphoric. <No. laughs> these are metaphors, Ed. We we don't we don't actually want crawl into the skin. So he when
1: he would visit these grave sites, by the way, mm-hmm. so this was between 1947 and 1952, he... He would exhume recently buried bodies, which I think is where he got a lot of his skin from, because those were the Mary and and the other woman. Um, I want to use her name because she's a victim. Mary and Bernice were the only two bodies that they found that were from someone he killed. So he he went to these graveyards. He exhumed recently buried bodies that were middle aged women whose faces resembled his mother.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that concept of um, the theory of natural systems where like are the selection of our partners are influenced by the relationship that we had with our parents and siblings?
1: This is great. So Norman says um, Norman Bates says this to Marion Crane. He said his son is a poor substitute for a lover. Despite all the ghastly crimes Gene committed, on top of the murders, Hitchcock focuses mainly on the psychological aspects, apart from the infamous shower scene. So, yeah, Norman
0: was really the the, the psyche of Ed. Very much, yeah. And then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that uh, Leatherface is certainly portrayed, at least in the beginning, as just a psycho killer mm-hmm. who wears a leather face mm-hmm. made of flesh. Yeah. It's definitely more a surface. There's not so much of the psychological piece going on with Ed. Yeah, the other two have more psychology in them. Although I haven't done a deep dive into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. uh, franchise, so to speak. So I don't know what they're doing there. But um. Well,
1: based on this article, it was saying the screenplay tells us that um, Leatherface is
0: depicted as a grave robber. Mm-hmm whose work opens the movie, which I I
1: don't really remember that. I don't
0: either, but I also have, uh, you know, perhaps I need a refresher. It's a movie that I don't actively try to watch. it's a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the ones that scared me a lot when I first saw it. It was very difficult for me to watch, and so that kind of imprinted on me, and now, you know, 30 years later or whatever, (laughs) I still... Don't, you know, I see it all the time. It's, it's on a, all the streaming services, and I see it all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, just a it's classic, a man. One. I should really watch that. Nope, yeah, nope, not going to do it.
1: <laughs> well, and then I think that they also use, Toby Hooper um, recreates that house of horror mm-hmm. in that movie, too.
0: Yeah, and I did watch the remake that I thought was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And maybe I liked it because it was contemporary, and it wasn't as terrifying to me because those independently made movies back in the day that were on a very low budget that are very gritty um those kind of like backwoods even episodes in scary shows where they have an episode you know like a you know a criminal Minds show or one of those kinds of shows where they have an episode with you know um kind of backwoods and they always portray them as cognitively impaired, or like a uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, inbred, right? Like, right? Yeah. Do
1: you want to hear a fun little fact? I I sure would. So my friend at the time was dating the guy that played the new Leatherface, uh-huh. and um, I was home one day, and she she came over, and he was with her, and she had told me that he was she was bringing him over, so he came <laughs> he comes in the house. And she's like, "Hey, you know, here with blah blah blah." And I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, "What's up, Leatherface?" Oh like that. And he com- God! He comes God. up Jesus. and he picks me up. I mean, he was massive, yes. and I was—I just started laughing. I'm like, "I'm literally getting dragged around the house by Leatherface <laughs> right now." Really, really, really nice guy. Um, but it was just—it was a funny story because she knew how much I loved horror, and she's like, "Yeah, he just played Leatherface." This <laughs> is really funny. Oh my God! He was hilarious. massive. I mean, he was well over—you know, six. He was like six four or You'd something. Have, yeah, yeah. and I'm all of like maybe five
0: three yeah
1: yeah so that, that was this little fun fact he could
0: like pick you up under one arm
1: yeah i mean he pretty much did he like scooped <laughs> me up i'd never met him before um i was laughing really
0: hard he's like oh well she's going right for the Leatherface yeah, joke so yeah. i might as well scare the crap out I'm of like, her
1: what's up <laughs> he walks in i'm like what's up Leatherface nice to meet you because it was right after it had bit it had come out in the theater oh, okay yeah cool um So, yeah, they, you know, he, Hooper recreates this house that is supposed to be, I mean, it's a clear depiction of what they found when they went into Ed Gein's house. So they have like the skin masks, the other human skin art, um, all deepening that connection. But Hooper doesn't really go into the psychological stuff. They don't dive into his psychopathy so much as, Mm -hmm. as more of, I mean, I would say though, there's not towards a mother, but there is that weird family dynamic in that film he's kind of addicted to not addicted he's kind of in mesh with the old weird father who's like has his head falls in a bucket and they're always keeping him up i mean that scene at the dinner table yeah it's
0: just it's really it's the spectrum of that kind of horror trope which is the backwoods family that's very id you know yeah. very um impulse driven and very pr- living very primitively no water usually or electricity and you know cutting the heads off of chickens and eating them like that whole trope mm-hmm. in, there is really no scarier version than in no Texas Chainsaw the
1: original is by far one of the scariest movies I've ever seen and then one of the leather masks in that film is a feminine creation, which I think is the only homage to this motherly thing. Oh, okay. Um, and it has, you know, it's complete with blush and lipstick and eyeshadow. And I think <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that would reference Ed Gein's mother. Cause there, there aren't any, is there a, a female family member in the, uh, no, I must no. I'm thinking of house of a thousand corpses. There's oh. no women. in.
0: I don't think so. But again,
1: predators in Texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> that I remember. No. Yeah. Hmm. And then Buffalo Bill, you know, like we said, literally obsessed with becoming a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, James, and not, and when we say this, by the way, guys, this is not like the healthy, you know, version of like someone who's transitioning. We're not. I, I want to be careful. I'm not pathologizing um, any any transgender or anything. That's not what we're taught. This is a very like psychopathological becoming crawling into the physical skin of his mother to become. Yeah, her. So I just want to be different, very, right? very clear. This is not the healthy transition
0: of someone who is, Transgender. Um yeah. So James Gum is the fictional character. God he was terrifying. That is Buffalo Bill in the Science of the Lambs. He's actually the main antagonist. I mean, we were talking before about how Anthony Hopkins was only in sixteen minutes of the film of Silence of the Lambs. Mm. He's really the the you know, the puppeteer of a lot of these people. And also has just like a much bigger story arc in the novels and in the movies too. But um so in this particular movie is like a really small part, but James gum or Buffalo bill is like the main antagonist. He's mm-hmm. the one who kidnaps the girl and is making the suit. And that's the one that, um, Starling is pursuing, is pursuing. And yeah. he, they also give a shout out
1: to Ted Bundy for being part of Buffalo bills character too, which is the way with the van scene.
0: Oh, sure.
1: And pretending like his arms broken and all that, that's mm-hmm. pulled from Ted Bundy. Oh yeah. So, but Most he's definitely. more so, he's more so Edgeen. Um, but they were saying it, it, you know, straight out of Bundy's assault playbook. Oh yeah, it certainly is. So, um, yeah, I, I remember that scene, scene in silence of the lambs where I think it's, I think it's Starling. She's up in the room and then all of a sudden they, they open that, that, um, what do you call it? Ar- 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 armoire or whatever, oh, and, and yeah. then the dress with the tape, yeah, where you could see he wanted to. St- oh, I mean that, and the music in that film when yeah. they start to piece everything together and they realize they're at the wrong house and all of that stuff start. I, I, even talking about it right now, i like chicken skin. <laughs> I
0: think that's a movie we should do an episode on. Yeah, I know we were talking about doing. We've been kind of looking through like different movies that we want to do single episodes on and we've started doing that in the last few months and we were talking about doing seven and then i definitely think silence of the lambs (sighs) is one we should do because there's a lot because uh, actually you know gum's character is based on like six different real life serial killers yeah so including kemper and Mm -hmm. so i don't know It, it could be rich with like Bundy and Kemper and Gein and the Green River Killer. I have made a little list here. Okay. (laughs) Um, So anyway, but yes, Ed Gein and his his fashioned trophies and keepsakes. Like that was like, that's all he's about is flesh keepsakes. Yeah. Basically. And reliving that. And then can you talk a little bit, maybe you know something a little bit about like he was digging up corpses and getting the bones and the skin from the corpses in the cemeteries is that sort of yeah so he would find um
1: he would find just like people who were recently buried yeah so um that then he would dig up and that's where he got a lot of the bones and some of the skin for like the chairs that he was making that's where a lot of that skin came from okay um the suit and the torso and all of that i think came from the the two women he actually killed.
0: The bigger, the bigger pieces of skin that he was using. Everything
1: else were just, let me see if I can go back to this part on here. It says, um, let's see. Yeah, it's, uh... yeah. from So for about five years, he made nocturnal visits to graveyards and exhumed recently buried bodies that were middle-aged women Mm -hmm. who look like his mom which is incredibly practical. So it I mean how good. many did he dig up to know they looked like her? That's another thing yeah. too. I mean that's bizarre.
0: Well, yeah, and the fact It's a small that they,
1: town, but
0: Yeah, and the fact that they had to look like her, to use their arm skin. I mean, I don't I don't I he mean, would, you know. he
1: would take their faces off though too. Okay, yeah, yeah he would take- Oh
0: yeah. Cause he had a collection of faces. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> so nonchalantly on a Sunday. I'm like, why does they have to look like her if they're just going to use the fingers? I mean, how, who thinks about these things? I'm literally looking at He was I'm also, okay, he was also it like, using
1: a pair of lips to open up his, yeah. his window so, shade.
0: It's literally surreal. That's why we can talk about it. Is if it, I
1: ever come over and you're like, Hey calf, go open up my window. Go pull up the
0: shade and there's a fucking pair of lips on there. I'm out. You're thinking you didn't know me as well as you thought. (laughs) I'm out.
1: I'm out right there. It's over. (laughs) And if I sit down on on someone's face, that sounded terrible. Yeah, yeah sure did. If I sit down (laughs) on some skin that you've... uh, I I mean, think about... And people, you know, if let's say his house was not a disaster and he was... (laughs) not isolated and weird as hell. If people Mm -hmm. came over and it was just fully furnished that way and they sat down, they'd probably just think it was animal hide. Probably. So I want to just make sure that we mention that when he was brought to trial, he he did plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm -hmm. Um, He was diagnosed with schizophrenia and was mentally found um, incompetent to stand trial. Mm -hmm. So when he was deemed mentally able to stand trial, because they'll, you know, they take time to restore the competency. Then he goes to trial. The verdict was the same um, as he was committed to the central state hospital for the criminally insane. So he was found not guilty by a reason of insanity, which to me makes the most sense i don't think this was i I think there was a lot of mental illness related to this crime
0: it does sound like that yes and this was in 1968 i imagine different certain things have changed Mm. and been altered since then so this is not by 2020s standard right but i don't know if he'd
1: be found ng uh, not guilty by reason of insanity now but at that time if someone had schizophrenia they had a better chance yeah. Where now there takes it takes more than mental illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I will say is that he really did the the whole purpose of him doing this was that he did have you know suffered delusions believing that he could become his mother and and that's what why the killings were happening. Mm-hmm. He uh, he wasn't inherently psychopathic with the exception of killing his brother, which still was a reaction to his mental illness.
0: Yeah. If, if you dig, yeah, like you're saying, you dig a little deeper and it does without even be laying out all the facts and such. It does. I mean, I know he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, so.
1: Yeah. And you know, when we think of the insanity plea, we have to be able to prove that that person had some sort of perceived fear. And when he killed his brother, the perceived fear was that he was essentially threatening, you know, um, the, the break in that relationship or that mindset of having a relationship with his mother still and to someone who is delusional, that is
0: a, a it, it's a real threat. Well, and that's why we talk about, you know, people will say, well, you know, they're, they're talking nonsense. They're saying all these things that aren't real. And, and I, and then people will feel the instinct to confront the delusions and that's not what we want to do. Oh. And so, you know, therapists will say, I just, you know, they, they'll errantly poke holes in the delusions or try to, Mm -hmm. but all that does is incite the fear toward you. Yep. And so this is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Um, don't, don't strip in psychodynamics. We would talk about don't strip the defenses, don't strip down someone's defenses. And that can be as small as, you know, I'm a great you know, Baker. Don't don't tell me I'm not. To I I need to be my mother with. I need to wear her skin. I mean, it can be a wide range mm-hmm. of defenses, but because it's serving in the in that capacity, not healthy, but it's serving as a protective factor for yeah, them. For him, yeah. it was for sure. I imagine that particular belief was what was keeping him from X Y Z. Whatever the thing he would have been if yeah if he didn't have that delusion yeah uh, we don't know it might have been even worse so um, i know that he petitioned for release in 1974 which was mm-hmm. rejected and then um, he was just continued to be institutionalized when his health health was failing he was transferred to the mendota mental health institute where he died of cancer and respiratory illnesses in 1984 and i know there's been some bad movies made so in addition to his
1: methods Gein also revealed his motives he told authorities that soon after his mother's death he had begun to create a woman's suit so that he could literally become his mother and crawl into her skin which we said earlier but just kind of taking that in and thinking that he actually revealed that information Mm -hmm. um and people who are very certain of their delusions and really that it is very matter of
0: fact for them that was his truth. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, we didn't, I'm not sure we said specifically how he was caught, but I could, I could say that. So, the, he, yeah, no, because I just said he had been arrested, but if you have information, that'd be great. Um, so on November 16th, 1957, Bernice Warden was reported missing from her hardware store job in Plainfield. Uh, she was the cash register there. Oh, where they found the blood on the, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, there was this trail of blood leading out the back, and um, yeah. So her son Frank, a deputy sheriff, was suspicious of Gene of that uh, of the murder because he was reclusive, and you imagine he was seen as weird. Obviously, yeah. Uh, he he, if he was as mentally ill as we think he was, he would not have been like. Plus, he wasn't ever socialized, so you can imagine what the town thought of mm-hmm. him. Um, the story that I read is that. He had been in um, there. The last receipt that was in the register was for, um, I can't remember some item, I'm not remembering it right this minute. Uh, some item, and and that the when they looked at the last receipt and it was that item that had been purchased, they knew it was Ed because he'd been in the day before to ask about that particular item and how much it cost okay. and had said he would they he was going to be there the next day to buy it. Mm-hmm. So then he bought it, and it was the last receipt was there. And so, the authorities then putting those two together went to Ed's house to question him and found that the headless, gutted body of Bernice Warden, um, and all of the other jars and skulls and soup bowls, of Oof. bits and pieces made there, lip shades, lamp, Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> nipple belts yeah and so then nipple belts <laughs> nipple belts guys like really Ugh, okay. precision <sighs> yeah and Gein confessed to killing those two people so those are the two people he confessed to right. so I'm thinking all those you know yes he's a grave robber but I don't know just boggles the mind he, he may have killed more sure and he admitted to digging up everything, and so that—that's one of the big differences too that we see in these in the in the true crime psychology series that we do is we often pick people who are more narcissistic and psychopathic and sociopathic, and that is a different kind of conversation than someone who is severely mentally ill practicing necrophilia, uh, and you know gets caught and just confesses Mm -hmm. because they don't, they're not trying to manipulate anything Mm -hmm. like most of the people that we talk about on this show. And, and it also, it wouldn't surprise me if those
1: were his only two victims only because the only time he actively killed someone is if they posed a threat to his delusion Mm -hmm. um, or they reminded him of someone that
0: his mother would not have approved of. So that was so, maybe what why he killed Bernice in the store.
1: Yeah. So so one was a foul mouth, whatever, and then mm-hmm. the other one. Um, I have it in there. I can't remember what I said, but there's, mm-hmm. they they yeah. they both represent a threat to his delusion or right. someone his mother wouldn't approve of. So the the other skin pieces and stuff were not because he was obsessed with killing. He was obsessed with becoming and embodying his mother. So like we were just saying, someone who's more mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And delusional they're only going to kill with a perceived threat so this is not someone who's going to have 35 kills under his
0: nipple belt (laughs) (laughs) that was very well played thank you (laughs) uh yeah and we're still laughing because it's so absurd it's so sick it's so sick and so absurd that so many movies and television shows You know, there's always some kind of episode with a skin person, you know, in all of the criminal procedures. There's always some bad guy that has a thing about bodies and skin and, you know, okay. She just wants to say the word nipple, like repeatedly. All right. So (laughs) that's our episode on Ed Gein and more specifically, not really about Ed Gein, but more the horror villains that have inspired. Yeah, who he influenced. Those are all, those three movies that we mentioned are all exceptional horror movies in very different ways. They really are. So I I would say we recommend them all, though I'm not watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre Ugh. anytime soon because it freaks me out. Not unless I'm sitting in your lap. Yeah, so that's what makes it a successful movie. I was going to say something about a nipple belt, but I'm just going to. It's getting call way it a too day. weird in here. It's getting, I'm getting way call too weird. It a day. Uh, <laughs> this is Terror Talk.
1: My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us: subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus, you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.